This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Now, regular listeners will know that we've been talking a good game when it comes to all things boxing. There is no doubt in this part of the world... Things are looking up. We've had Jeff Mayweather in this very studio. We have had a litany of individuals. We've had Badu Jack in this very studio telling us that, listen, Dubai, the Middle East, it is a hotbed for boxing. And it certainly will be this coming Friday down at the Rotunda at Caesars Palace, Blue Waters, Dubai, because it is the Rotunda Rumble 3, Robbie. I'm going to be front row. I'm looking forward to this. And we've got two special guests in with us. We certainly do. We've got TJ Dahoney, who is going to be facing Ionet Baluta in the main event for the Rotunda Rumble 3. He joins us in studio. TJ, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, it's also a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And we've got Rohan Date. It is Rohan Date, isn't it? Date. Date. I have absolutely butchered that in the intro. You said that. I did think that. Sorry, you'll knock you out. I apologise for that. (laughs) He certainly will. I've seen this man (laughs) box and he's an absolute superstar. Dubai-based and you're also going to be taking part on the card, Rohan, trying to maintain that unbeaten record. That's it. Hopefully it goes... um, back to a few knockouts like I used to have before and and keep the momentum going. How are things looking, guys, in, what, what, what are we, like four days out from fight night now? I take it you're, you're, all on, you're both on a kind of a, a weight cut, you're trying to make weight and I guess you're tapering down your, your training accordingly. Yeah, so um, camp's over, camp's been over, it's uh, usually about 10 days out and uh, then it's just about focusing on maintaining your fitness and just keeping the body moving and you know, keep it flowing. And then um, when we get three, four days out, we start worrying about the weight and getting it down. And um, yeah, then we just get ready for showtime. How difficult is that, TJ? We've seen, uh, whether it be in the boxing ring, whether it be in the UFC, uh, I think back to Conor McGregor, there was a weight cut that he did. I mean, my goodness, he looked ill. Now, like you've got a 10-week camp. You've got to be on the ball. You know, you've got to be in your calorie deficit and doing everything what your nutritionist will tell you. And the weight will come down slowly. But then when... Like what Conor McGregor was doing, he was he was fighting in a division probably a little bit too low. Yeah. And um, when those weight cuts come, you're talking, you've hit your lowest uh, body fat percentage and then all of a sudden you've got to draw every last drop of water out of your body. And that's why he looked like dead mm. warmed up on the scales, you know. And um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the same position myself at the second because I'm starting to outgrow super bantamweight, you know. So I'd say I'm probably in my last year at 122 pounds because I get down to about within eight pounds over the weight and then I've got to draw the rest of the water out of my, out of my body to make the weight. So, yeah, it can be quite difficult. But, um, look, it's all part and parcel of the game. We've been doing it since we were kids. So <laughs> it, just, uh, it just becomes second nature. What's the goal with it, Rohan? For people who are not well-versed with boxing, is it to be as heavy as possible when you actually walk into the ring, when you uh, do a weight cut? You want to bounce back, right? Once you've done the cut to rehydrate. Yeah, and def- of- definitely. What happened to me is I spent a little bit of time out of boxing and then came back in. Started at super welterweight, which is pretty much a normal enough walking around weight for me as uh, the size, of, size I am as a man. Yeah. Um, but then once I started competing, all of a sudden you just notice guys are about a foot taller than you are. Another bit big bigger than you and now all of a sudden you can't push them around the ring anymore or you're not really able to keep yourself kind of composed against someone that's a little bit bigger so even I noticed now that some of the sparring that I had this year at welterweight a lot of these guys are still a little bit bigger than me um, the goal is probably for me to get down to 140 again and I haven't done kind of the weight cuts that Conor McGregor or TJ has done as of yet but that's the plan once I start stepping up um, into the, the level that TJ is after being at 
is probably bring myself down to 140. Where are we at? Let's kind of generalise, let's broad brushstroke this because obviously we've seen a couple of weeks ago Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, right? Uh-huh. We're talking the Blue Ribbon heavyweight division. They are the watching world is on Las Vegas, Wilder versus Fury. When we trickle down to the strength of boxing, you guys are over here in Dubai. You guys are working, let's be frank, you guys are working as hard mm-hmm. as these guys who are earning tens of millions of dollars with these big prize fights. Where are we at in boxing? Is it in a good place, TJ? And you've been former world champion yourself. Yeah, I think over past, you know, with UFC coming in, everybody's like, oh, boxing's on the slide, UFC's taking over. But all you got to do is just look at the comparison in the in the fight purse, the payments, yes. the fight the boxers are getting. Like, I'm a super bantamweight, which the lighter weights don't get paid as much. But I'm probably, well, when I was defending my, um, my world title, I was probably getting paid more than the the top level UFC fighters. So that will tell you one thing, that boxing is in a good place. Um, and now we're, with the heavyweight division being so exciting at the minute with Anthony Joshua, we got our man Tyson Fury, who you couldn't ask for a better heavyweight world champion because he's just so charismatic and he's just great for the sport and he's yeah. just going to expand it so much because it's not just about boxing with Tyson, it's with his mental, the mental health that he's, he's, he's creating so much awareness for. And um, I think... With Tyson Fury becoming the world champion, I think boxing is probably in the best place it's been in a, a, good, a good while. We've got a good few questions for you on Tyson Fury and that fight and the way the heavyweight division is, is panning out. But before that, when we talk about mapping out careers, I was interested yeah. to see that Andy Ruiz texted, I think he sent Eddie Hearn a message on Instagram when uh, Jared Miller pulled out or was, was forced to pull out due to failing the drugs test against his fight with AJ. When you look at mapping your career and kind of, Rohan, you're unbeaten in 11 fights, you're trying to kind of get that fight that's going to catapult you to the next stage. How do you go about doing that? Is it what's something that happened to Ruiz, which was basically a stroke of luck and he took full advantage by, by knocking out AJ in, in that big fight at Madison Square Garden? Yeah, I think for this position I'm in right now, Taking that kind of gamble on the next few fights is probably going to be the one that either that just changes your whole your whole direction of your career. Um, hopefully, then big fights kind of come up. For me, I kind of look at TJ's one where he did it in kind of a say Australia, which wasn't massive for boxing at the time. Obviously, now it's getting there. But again, Dubai is one of them countries. One yeah. of them countries that it was nothing a year ago, two years ago, and all of a sudden now we're getting a basic platform. And extended that with the likes of Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia. So all of a sudden, this area is starting to open up, and then positions. If another Saudi Arabia fight happens, or another big Coca-Cola arena in Dubai, you, that's where you'll take the big risk, the big title fights, anything that comes your way over here, and that's the time to do it. Can I ask? Do you boys feel under any pressure now? Not to dismiss. Conor McGregor, Tyson Fury, but there is the element of entertainment. There is an element, mm-hmm. dare I say, of WWE uh-huh. about it. They are quote-unquote showmen. Have you had conversations, and I'll look at the both of you, and I'll ask you both of these questions, with your management team to say, what is your differential? How do we get noticed? If we've got, and we're respectful to all the individuals that are in the fight game, a lot of talented boxers, great big pool, how do you get noticed from the rest, TJ? Yeah, so for me, I'm. Everybody knows I'm not. I'm not the biggest uh, trash talker and all that. So I'm not going to get noticed. So I like to let my uh, my fist do the talking in the ring, you know. And you know, you never have you never have any pressure from the management telling you you need to say this or yeah. do that because it can can affect your performance because it's taking your mindset away from what from the job you have at hand, you know. But um, for me, I think my my way of building my name up 
because nobody knew who the hell I was when I became a world champion. And now everybody knows who I am because of the performances I'm putting in. And I had like um, a fight of the year contender last year with Danny Roman, which I lost in a split decision for the Unified Championship of the World. And now I walk, like any boxing event I walk into in America, everybody's pulling me up, looking for pictures where great. Uh, uh, 12 months before that, um, they wouldn't have had a clue who I was, you know. So that's how I've kind of, um, in a nutshell, that's how I've built my name is just um, using, my, the using my bo boxing ability, putting in the performances that the people will stand up and take note. And you, I probably agree with that, Rohan. I mean, you've been out here. I know we know you well from the yeah. gyms around town, basing yourself in Dubai, becoming almost a, a home fighter in this part of the world. That's probably part of the plan. But again, like TJ said, it's just about making the fist do the talking. Pretty much, that's what's happened so far in the career. Um, over here, it's a little bit harder because personally, I do know everyone over here. Yeah. And that's kind of what's built my, built my fan base, built my everyone that's kind of coming out in their droves and stuff like that. It would be great now if we can keep pushing on kind of the Irish community out here. Yeah. Um, especially we have three fighters on this card that are going to be Irish. It'd be brilliant. I've already been doing little bits with the Irish golf, I mean, the Irish society, a number of these You don't have to ones. worry, Rohan. We've got a lot of Irish teachers that listen <laughs> to this show. So if you are, and it doesn't matter whether you're Irish, if you're a boxing fan, and we've got two tickets up for grabs, we'll tell you how you can win those with us in a few moments' time. But get out and support these lads. And we've been talking about mapping out careers guys and and kind of also i guess the elements of what goes along the ceremony the pantomime that goes along with boxing that, that seems so integral now you know when you've got promoters pushing you trying to fashion a career and, and you're building a career it's part of it as well and i guess what we're trying to get to the bottom of is when you're considering your career and mapping it out and who to fight and and how to style yourself rohan what do you think when it comes to trash talk, when it comes to ring entrances? You know, we saw Tyson Fury get carried out on a throne <laughs> the other day. Is this something that you're really considering or are you just so focused on, you know what, I just want to make a spectacular knockout in my next fight? No, for me, um, definitely my performance is the big thing. Um, I performed at a high level as an amateur. As I said, I took a little bit of a break away from the sport, came back and I kind of just said I need to get back in that momentum um, keep putting on good performances and showcase my skills. On the other hand, I've had a bit of a nomadic kind of uh, career where I've been in London, boxed in Ireland, boxed in Dubai. I've been everywhere. Luckily, MTK now has allowed us to have the option to be able to train here. And obviously, I've got my coach here as well, Ben O'Connor. And because of that, it's allowed me kind of to really put a foothold here. Mm. And the idea then for me to be kind of like a homegrown, because I did start, again, I started my boxing career in Dubai. I had to go where I had to go to, to be able to progress it. But uh, now that I'm here, I want to get a title, build on that title, either defend it, win the title here, and then that can start bringing the crowds here, yeah. hopefully. And then that's the build up to maybe getting to where TJ was and getting a world title in. Well, TJ, you've just been telling us all fair. And, and when I say kind of peeking behind the curtain, the harsh realities of the fight game, just explain to us, you're obviously Irish, you can hear from that accent uh -huh. of yours, you're an Australian-based Irish boxer. Explain to me, the outset of your career, what you're doing to make ends meet because there'll be a lot of listeners to this show this they probably have never given much thought of before because it's no easy is it no it wasn't easy and yeah it's exactly how to describe it the harsh realities of the sport everybody just sees these superstars getting yeah. signed by the big promoters and they're getting blasted out but for a guy like me who took a year for, a year out from boxing went to go backpacking in australia eating but knowing i had the goods well in my own head, I had a belief and I had the goods to go all the way. So I backed myself and I turned professional with no TV backing, no promoters, nobody knew me. All I had was a couple of mates running around Sydney. 
and uh, it went from there you know we were on ticket deals you, you're talking you got to sell like tables of 10 VIP packages you know which aren't cheap they were like up to 250 bucks when a you ticket. say ticket deals essentially you make ends meet from selling yeah. tickets to your own event so you got you got to sell X amount of tickets to pay your purse and also to fly in because I'm um, smaller weights so there's not that many uh, fighters in Australia for me I'd have to import a fighter we'd have to cover their visa fees and blah 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 all the costs would have to be come from my ticket sales so you're talking I have to generate between ten and twenty thousand Australia dollars every time just to just to put the fight on. The promoter gets the, the chunk as usual and uh, then we're coming out with this with a with a small purse. But um I was I always I, it never bothered me because I was always looking at the bigger picture and saying I'm I'm suffering now to get me to where I want to be soon, you know. And um it, it was like fifteen fights in before I actually even got out of Australia and got to America and started getting noticed, you know. But um, it really is the harsh reality, and it's 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 for a, a lot of fighters, even fighters in Ireland. They're all everybody's at it, unless you come out with an Olympic gold medal or you're a well-known amateur fighter that it's going to be snapped up by a promoter. It's a hard, hard slog, and it's something that I think needs to be explained to the younger kids because yeah. they're seeing all the social media, they're seeing this lad turning pro, and they want part of the action and all, but they don't understand when when you turn pro. You're not you're not getting paid. You got to run around and sell tickets just to cover the fight. You'd be lucky if you make a little profit and get a couple of hundred bucks in your first few fights doing four rounders and stuff. So to young fighters that that's out there, like that's one thing I always try and explain to them is that it's not all like stuff Peaches with and cream, yeah. yeah with fighters that the likes of Michael Conlon and stuff who have been signed and you know they've been been um they've been promoted by the big, biggest promotional companies in the world. You know when you're starting from scratch and um, you haven't got that back in, it's very, very difficult. Not to mention the fact that uh, uh, boxing is often called the loneliest sport. And mm -hmm. certainly when you step into that ring, I mean, it, it's hard to think of another sport that would compare to the sense of, of, of not loneliness per se, but like you are so exposed. Yeah. You're yeah. up against one other guy yeah. and it's, it, it's, the most, it's the most confrontational and the most gladiatorial sport for obvious reasons. In, in many ways, and a lot of commentators have said that all other sports are, are merely an imitation of what boxing is because you're physically trying to impose your will over your opponent. And I'm fascinated to, to learn about the psyche that you guys have when you're getting into the ring. Uh, just just in, in, in what zone, what space you get into in your mindset? Is it anxiety? Is it nervous tension? Is it calmness? Do you feel a sense of calm when you're walking out there? Do you get yourself worked up to a point where you feel like you want to go out and do some serious physical damage to someone, you know? Uh, well, where I'd say it all comes down to experience. I've been, I've been boxing since I was seven years old, so it's kind of just ingrained in you. And I think the anxiety isn't as isn't as bad, you know, as you go on. I'm after being in some high profile fights now. And my big the biggest fight in my career against Danny Roman, I was more in the zone of taking it all in. This is my dream, this is my pinnacle. It doesn't get any higher than this, walking out in the forum in LA. And oh. honestly, I'm look, you'd be dead if you didn't feel nervous, you know, because everybody has emotions, but I was really calm and relaxed for the size of the event just going out there but I think it comes with experience more experience you get the more you learn how to deal with your emotions in the dressing room and you know you've got a you've got a job at hand so you're doing something that you've been doing for the last 10 years you just got to go out there and do it for so many rounds what's scheduled you know so yeah that's my take on it well let's talk about your opponents guys for fight night how much homework 
do you do on these guys? Is it all about reach? Is it all about style? Is it all about what kind of tactic, what kind of game plan you're going to take into a certain fight? And Or, or do you figure them out as you go along? What about you, Ryan? Yeah, for me, I leave it all up to my coach, uh, Ben O'Connor. <laughs> Literally, uh, <laughs> we, he makes robot. the game plan for the whole camp of how we're going to box in a certain kind of style. This time I'm fighting a tricky southpaw he can punch him, knocked out in 18 and 0, like two, three fights ago. He's only ever lost when he's jumped up to super welterweight. So, like, that's above the weight that we're fighting on um, on Friday. So, again, he's so are you fit, expecting the, big, the biggest test that you've you've had? Yeah, well, I think like he's 100 plus places ahead of me in the world uh, rankings right now. So, I think it's definitely one of the toughest ones. So, Paul again is one of them fights where you need to take time to adapt to as well. Um, luckily I was able to get some sparring over here in Sao Paulo but yeah definitely the type of toughest fight I'm going to have and TJ fighting a Romanian you know much about him um, yeah well you know you get a lot of fighters that'll come in and they'll say oh no I don't like to watch footage on my on my opponents and stuff if you were going into an exam and you had a book full of answers yeah. that you could read before the exam <laughs> would you would you look Absolutely. at that book yeah. just so shot me I'm up on, there anyway I didn't uh, know I'm, I'm on YouTube I'm checking not only his recent fights but back his earlier fights just to see what he was what he was doing back then just in case he, he tries to implement that in the fight because you never see a fighter's um full ability he might be just working on one thing in a certain fight but um i think the test that's going to prove for me here on uh, friday night is he's five foot ten and a half at at this weight division is absolutely crazy so um a taller opponent's gonna take it's gonna take me a couple of rounds i reckon to to figure out and get into a nice rhythm. But once I get rolling, I think when I get close to him, it's um, it's not going to be a very good night for him, to be honest. We've had a lot of texts in for you. In actual fact, this is a question for both of you that's come in on 4001. When you face, and it ties in nicely with what you've just said there, TG, when you face a taller or a larger opponent, what goes through your mind? How tricky is it to fight a larger man? Yeah, well, it all depends on his style. And he is a, he is, um, a kind of a fighter that uses his uh, reach and his height very, very well. So he likes to box at range and move off at angles. So it's going to take me a while to cut the ring down. And as I said, once I start, once I figure him out, give me two, three rounds and I, and I figure out how to get close to him. And um, We're I forecasting just, I, a bad night I, for I, him. Um, I, I chop him down. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, all, it's always a bad night when you're in with me. Even when I lose, <laughs> I love the fact you never ever, and there's good reason for this. You never ever speak to a boxer who says, "Yeah, it's going to be a tough night for me." It's always absolutely, I am steadfast in my belief that I'm going to win. And I guess that's the nature of the. You have to be like that. You can't have yeah. any doubts stepping into a ring against a fellow who wants yeah. to knock your head off as well. Yeah, ex exactly. But it's like some lads just they might get complacent and think, uh, "Oh yeah, this guy, look at his record, blah blah blah," and people are expecting you to win and. There are the times when you end up in trouble mm. because at the end of the day, no matter what, you've still got to glove up, get in the ring and get the job done. Even though you people might be in the mindset of, I should beat this guy, you still got to get in there and get the job done. And it's often it's often happened to me. I've been like early in my career, I've been complacent, got a little cocky thinking this fella's going to be easy. And it's been the hardest fights I've had, you know. So, um, yeah, again, just being a taller opponent, it's going to take me a couple of rounds to figure him out. But I'm, I'm supremely confident I will. And it's one of those sports where not only do you have to be supremely confident, because I feel like boxing, there's, there's more proclamations of I am going to win and I'm yeah. going to win well in boxing than almost any, any other sport. And we've seen recently with Wilder coming out to blame his, his outfit that he walked to the ring in on his loss to Tyson Fury, among <laughs> other things. 
it's almost like there's a barrier there where the ego is so he needs to protect that ego because to him he's the best in the world and he has to be the best in the world because that's how he has to fight he can't acknowledge that he was beaten by the better man he uses the excuse of the, the outlandish excuse is that a, a, a mechanic do you think to to protect his own sense of pride that he was outclassed on the night yeah it definitely is a mechanic to protect his own sense of pride but also I think it's kind of on a it's a marketability side th of things as well. It's gonna it's gonna generate interest for the rematch now because everybody's gonna be like, oh, well we have to see him now without this forty pound suit, <laughs> you know. So now it has people thinking, oh maybe he will be a different fighter. So that gets people thinking now rather than oh no no it's, it's not gonna happen again. All his excuses that he's that he's put in so far, like I've lost count of many excuses yeah, he's made, yeah. but. That will generate interest now because people are going to be interested to see how he is after fixing all those mistakes that he said he made in the last fight, you know. I want to get your thoughts, both your boys' thoughts. I'll start with you, Rohan, on this. It's it's a talking point. Forget the outfit for a moment. A lot has been said and written about the decision by his cornerman, Mark Breland, to throw the towel in in the seventh round. He was unhappy with that. He said in his uh, post-fight press conference and in the ring afterwards, he said, I wanted to be beaten on my shield. I wanted yeah. to die on my shield. He had no right to throw the towel in. Now, it's worth reminding everyone and everyone that follows the fight game will know what you boys are doing you're putting your lives on the line and I don't mean that sensationalistly or I'm not putting that hyperbole out there you guys do we've had four deaths for goodness sake and I don't want to you know highlight the fact too much but four deaths in, since July last year what you guys do is very dangerous what do you tell your cornerman if you're in trouble your cornerman your trainer your coaches they've got the right to throw the towel in if you're in trouble right yeah, like we just talked about egos there. Imagine his ego for 40 fights, 40 knockouts. He is the, like, the supreme of all heavyweights. So I can understand where his mindset was from it. But they're the people that are with him every day in his corner, training yeah. with him. When, when the glamorous side of the boxing isn't so glamorous and you've got them really crap days, they're the people that are with you every day. And that's what I can imagine that personality or that person is the person that's supposed to protect you from yourself. Uh, protect you from yourself do you need that TJ yeah. because there'll be a lot of people listening to this Well, and again I think Deontay said I, I know my own self I knew what I'm capable of I've still got the big right I was still in that fight but equally sometimes you need to be protected no, absolutely absolutely like at the end of the day we're all family men what are we fighting for to feed our families yeah. if um, something detrimental God forbid ever happens to any of us in the ring how are, how are families going to be supported? We get a pat on the back and an RIP on social media and then you're forgotten about, you know? So me, and I'm as sure uh, Rome would be the same, it's like we want to be scraped off the canvas. That's the way we want to we want to leave the ring. But your corner's there. Your corner should be experienced enough to know um, that when you're re when it's ready to throw the towel and when it's not ready to throw the towel and save you for another another day or save you just so you can feed your family for the rest of your life, you know? And um, yeah, that's one thing I think I might be a little bit peed off with my, with my coach at the start. Yeah, of but, course. But um, when you sit back and you sit down and you think about it and you, you'll probably thank him afterwards. Yeah, I mean, Wilder, Wilder's always come across to me as, as a pretty decent guy in interviews and quite a measured, quite a humble guy as well. New experience for him to deal with and he's probably... As you said, Rowan, 40 knockouts. He's, he's the hardest puncher in boxing history you, you is what they've been calling it. Like, he could have used... I, honestly, I thought he burst his eardrum. Yeah. And his, and his balance... Was, and that would have been a very logical reason to why he was, had that performance. And you would have thought he, they would have went off that. But 
Exactly. Yeah, that, would, that would have been a real valid excuse. Yeah. And we, you, you we would have all took it without saying anything. Because there was like, blood coming from the left mm, ear. Yeah. And it did. I, I know in the immediate aftermath of the fight, it was his equilibrium looked off. He yeah. looked he looked kind of clumsy. Yeah. He looked, it ruins everything for you. Your whole pattern, everything, it was like, your coordination is gone. There, there were some comparisons made to the Andy Ruiz punch to the back of the head of yeah. AJ over in New York, where AJ, for the rest of that fight, and it was a seventh round stoppage, if memory serves me correct, in that he one groggy. as well. I mean, he, he was groggy. groggy. Yeah. And Deontay the same. He just didn't look, certainly his feet... That is the truth because like I, I've suffered perforated eardrums in oh. fights, but to see blood come out of the ear was a was a, a a new scale for me, and I was that's when I was thinking, wow, that must be a really yeah. bad burst yeah. because like my when when you get a perforated eardrum, it pops and then you can't hear anything. You can just hear like a kind of a that kind of a noise, you know. You can't really hear your corner speaking to you and stuff like that. But um, I think Wilder not only with the not only with the um, the perforated eardrum, I thought after the knockdown when he went back to his corner and he was sitting on his stool, his body language to me t- told me he does not want to be in there. Yeah. Now, was he hinting at his corner? I don't know, but he just looked at he was he was sitting on he was sitting on his stool and he was leaning on yeah. his, he was leaning on his coach. He was resting his head on his shoulder. To me, that's not the body language of a guy that wants to go back out there and have a couple of bangs with a with another heavyweight, you know. So I, it could have been an accumulation of all those little things where Breland probably just said to himself, "This boy's had enough. Let's let's save him for another day." Fascinating insight. TJ Dehaney, Rohan Day. I'm conscious of time here, boys. I've got to let you guys go. But Rotunda Rumble 3, as I've been saying all evening long, March the 6th, that is this Friday, the Rotunda at Caesars Palace, Blue Waters, Dubai. Nine fights in total. You've got everyone from the UE, so there'll be a home favourite. Indonesia, you've got Ghana, you've got India, Kazakhstan, you've got Ireland, of course, will be represented. Nigeria, Dominican Republic, Argentina, so many. An international fight night of some extreme. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be down there on Friday. Both going to win. I'll start with you, Rohan. Of course, you're going to win. Knockout? Definitely going to win. I'm looking for the knockout again. Last time I went are. six rounds and it was it got the board in there and stuff like that. I had a tall opponent. That took me a long time to reach, but let's hope for a big knockout this time again. And TJ, you've said it yourself. Three rounds just to measure him up and then bang, he's out, right? <laughs> they don't call me the power. They don't call me the power for nothing. <laughs> Listen, boys, absolute pleasure to have you in. I'm looking forward to this fight night. TJ, Rohan, I know you've got to go off. I know you've got to sweat it out. I know you've got to eat, Rohan. We'll let you go and do that now. Looking forward to it. Friday evening, down there at Caesars Palace, Blue Water. It is the Rotunda Rumble 3. Gentlemen, thank you. Brilliant. Cheers, Thanks guys. very thank much you. for having us. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.